Hey friends, welcome to another episode in Season 3 of the Adrian Tan Show. This is my podcast where I speak with folks that are having a great impact on what we call the future of work. But beyond just the enablers and vendors who are transforming this space, I will also be including intimate conversations with people who are navigating their own future of work. They have successfully transitioned and pivoted to new careers and I hope to distill their ups and downs in their unstructured journey so the rest of us can learn from their best practices. My guest today is Antoinette Patterson. She's the co-founder of trusted B2B2C digital mental health care provider SafeSpace. With 11 years of startup experience and an avid mental health advocate, SafeSpace combines her love for technology and positive social change. Hi, Internet. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Today, we'll learn more about what you're doing in the space of mental well-being. But before that, I am very interested to hear your backstory. You've been in the advertisement space for the longest time, but around 2017, you started Safe Space and you did that for a number of years part-time before moving into it, it full-time. What, what was the personal motivation behind starting Safe Space? Sure. So Safe Space started from a personal need, actually. Back then, when I was working in a previous life, uh, I was in advertising and I actually was the employee that went through burnout in the past. Experiencing this for the first time, I actually went through the whole journey of looking for a counsellor or therapist myself. And I realised that it was a very daunting or a very difficult process. I've heard of other US-based companies like BetterHelp and Talkspace and I gave them a try as well. But the user journey was not really ideal for me. I had to pay a very high upfront fee of 250 US dollars and I didn't know who was the therapist I was speaking to on the other end just yet. In all honesty, I was more than happy to pay the price, but I wanted that background information of the therapist first so that I know who I'm talking to. So I decided to not proceed with um, those platforms. I, I decided to continue my research searching for therapists myself. And I managed to find a really good therapist and I overcame my concern. But I realized if this could happen to me once, it could happen to me again. And it could also happen to the team that I was managing. So I shared this with some friends that I trusted and they were developers as well. And they also told me that, you know what, I, we went through something similar. And like you, we didn't really tell this to anybody, but we also see that there is definitely a gap in the sector. So what we decided to do was, why don't we create our version of what we wanted, the product, the solution that we wanted for ourselves. And let's see if anyone else found it valuable as well. So one of the reasons why I did Safe Space part-time in the beginning was because my salary from the full-time job actually funded Safe Space to create the first version of Safe Space. And when we finally launched it in March 2019, we definitely saw that there was a demand for this. We didn't really advertise that we launched this product. It, it all came through word of mouth. So we definitely knew there was demand. Now it's a matter of, okay, how do we convince investors to invest in this so that we can build a proper version of what we're doing? And when I first started, again, mental health was a topic that people don't really talk about. So I had to produce a lot of research, send it to the investors uh, to actually prove to them that, hey, the success that you're seeing in the US and in the UK can be replicated in Asia. And when the lockdown happened in 2020, they finally saw that something like this, a mental health concern on a global level is definitely in Singapore's shores. And they finally understood the need of why safe space as a solution would be very beneficial during this time. 
And you reminded me of a book I read a few years ago called Shoe Dog, which is about Phil Knight, the guy who created Nike. For many people may not know that he actually also started Nike on the side. He was actually a full-time accountant and using his salary as an accountant to fund Nike for many years before he decided to go full-time. I think that's an a interesting and inspiring story to let people who are aspiring entrepreneurs, you know, it's not just you got to quit, go all in. It is also possible to start from the side. But back to your original journey, you mentioned earlier on where you get burned out in the advertising industry. I've heard a lot of stories about the kind of crazy hours you need to undertake. I had friends who were a hit hunter for that industry. So many different stories. But for audiences who may not be familiar with the advertising industry, can you give us a few examples of how crazy it might be? Okay, I can only share from personal experience. So this is completely subjective to my own experience. Working hours are definitely very long. They do try their best to compensate by giving you a higher salary. So the companies that I work for, in, in hindsight, now that I'm also a business owner, I did see that they really tried their best to provide additional benefits, to provide meal plans, to compensate you for working such long hours in the company and for the high demand and requests that the clients have. Unfortunately, monetary compensation or money, increasing your salary is, was just not enough for me anymore because it started to affect not just my mental health, but also my physical health. So I could see that I was gaining weight because I was overeating. The overeating was to, was to appease my stress levels. I definitely started to smoke a lot more. And it was just not something that I envisioned in my 20s to look like. And when I took a step back to really understand what actually about this was beneficial for me, what did I actually really want to do with my life? I wanted to use my existing skill set, which is making apps number one in the app store. All the lessons that I learned in advertising, I wanted to give back and pay it forward and actually make a positive social change. And what I was passionate about at that point in time was mental health. So I decided to brainstorm ways. How can I marry my love for technology, advertising, and mental health? And I figured that the best way to give this a go is to try and do a tech company that's related to mental health and see how that goes. Could you walk us through how a first-time visitor would be running through to get support from your platform as well as your services? Sure. I'm so glad that you asked that. So for Safe Space, we are very big on education first. Why we're big on education is also because we want to be able to share with our consumer base, when do you spot the signs or the triggers that imply that you actually might need to talk to a professional? So on our Safe Space website, we actually have a free resource portal that is filled with amazing mental health education and content and on-demand webinars. And our user base can first learn about their mental health first if they are not sure if they are ready for counselling yet. So that's at least the first step. Let's assume now that they are actually aware that, hey, my stress or my situation, I don't know what I can do about this. I am at my wit's end. I might want to talk to a professional about it to see what are my options. So what they would normally do is that they will actually sign up for an account. The account is free. And within the, their account, there's an option for them to click on a button that says find new therapists. So when they click on this button, it's actually a questionnaire and it has a real-time matching algorithm tied to it. It's a five-step process. Step one is for us to understand what are they currently going through. Step two is for us to understand, okay, what is the kind of therapist or coach that you would like to work with based on your own requirements? So is it 
Is there a gender preference? Is there a preference for going for an individual session? Do you want to go as a couple or do you want to go as a family? And questions like, what's your pricing preference? Because obviously affordability is one of the top concerns that individuals do have. Once they are done with that, they can click on filter and it filters out who are the top therapists that are now the most suited to help them based on what their needs are. And you can book a therapist within 24 hours at Safe Space, which is one of the shortest wait times. So now that they can see the list of therapists, they can actually browse each therapist's profile. Think of it like a LinkedIn for therapists. We provide all the information there is for the therapist. So things like, where did they go to school? What's their highest certification? Where are they registered at? And that's all this is important for them to make an informed decision. We also share things like once their approach to therapy, something like cognitive behavioral therapy is considered an approach to therapy. And what, what is their specialization? They can keep browsing a profile until they find somebody that, okay, I, I really like this profile. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with this person. And at the end of the day, if they do feel that maybe person, maybe therapist A might not be the best option for me, I can, they are free to try a different therapist along the way. Now, once they've selected the therapist, they can select a date and time that they can go to meet this therapist and they can go in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, on weekends, as well as public holidays. We do have support that's available for them and we guarantee that they can find a therapist within 24 hours. And then once that's done, they will be able to go for the counseling session, whether it's via video call or face-to-face, -face. the option is this. Having started Safe Space for close to five years, any changes in people's opinion or perception of seeking help professionally? Definitely. I think there's definitely a lot more openness in Asia now to talk about mental health and to come forward. So for Safe Space, we started off as B2C, so working with the, with the general public. But where our primary focus is on right now is actually on B2B2C. So working with corporates, working with schools, working with insurers and hospitals. And we can even see from an employer's perspective, employees are a lot more vocal now in terms of the kind of benefits that they want. So HR managers would normally send out something like an employee pulse survey. And within this pulse survey, it helps to identify what's the mental health landscape of the company. And within this survey, employees are definitely sharing that, hey, I want a mental health benefit as part of my experience with your company. And we are definitely seeing this on the ground because that's one of the reasons for Safe Space, we grew in 2021 by 35x because we went from just having two corporate clients at the start of January 2021 to over 60 corporate clients. So the demand is definite. I do know a lot of business owners, especially small medium enterprises, when it comes to expensing on things related to people, they suddenly become bean counters. They will be expecting ROI, what's the return? Uh, for those people who are still sitting on those fences, what would you tell them on the importance of spending a little or focusing on mental well-being for their employees? Sure. So for those individuals where ROI is definitely a key focus in moving the needle when it comes to providing this as a benefit, I would definitely say the return of investment is for every dollar that you spend on your employee's mental health, you will get $4 back in return. And providing this as a benefit helps to improve employee morale. That's one. It also helps with retention because your existing pool of employees are, are more supported and they are able to get the help that they need, especially for those who need longer-term care. Longer-term care meaning they need four or more sessions and they are able to be productive members of your company. 
So for those who are considering the ROI, please use that as a great statistic. It's definitely widely published and you are definitely able to get a great investment on your employees by investing in that. You mentioned on longer term, you'll be four or more sessions. Am I right to infer that the average number of sessions would be three or less for anyone else? Yes, that's actually what we're seeing right now. And what we are asking them as well is, what is the barrier for you not being able to, pro to go for more? First of all, is actually the cost. Counseling in general or coaching, the price of it is not very affordable. And that's the pricing on a global level. So by the employer taking on the majority of the payments for this cost for their employees, it enables the employees and the consumers to go for their counseling sessions, especially when after four sessions, that's really when you see a behavior change because you're constantly working on the homework your therapist is giving you. They can track it together with you. And usually after four sessions or more, you can start to see some kind of behavior change. After two sessions, it's usually not enough to see any difference yet. It's, it's really more than four that we see this change in the individual. Most of this issue that individual may be facing might not originate from them. It could be due to their reaction to the issues at work. So would there also be a conversations with the manager, with the companies to, of course, help better plan and make sure that things are much more balanced? Otherwise, you're just solving the issue at the symptom level. I'm glad that you asked that question. So that's actually something that has been coming up a little bit more recently at Space in terms of the learning and development plans for some of the companies that we work with. So one of the number one topics in terms of education is something called psychological safety. And the trend that we are seeing now is that team leaders or certain segments or departments within the company, they don't feel psychologically safe to raise their concerns. And that is definitely a barrier in terms of delegation, for example, in terms of communicating what your real needs are because you're fearful of how your peers would look at you when it, and you might feel like, I'm not able to handle the tasks assigned to me and therefore I'm not contributing as much as the rest. So this has been a number one topic request when it comes to that concern. And it helps to break down how do we actually break down this barrier so that as a department or rather as a team, you feel safe to share these concerns and moving forward, how can we make that sustainable? And that's one of the webinar trainings that we do for the companies that we work with. Some companies do it as a one-hour webinar where it's like a tea time, lunchtime session. Some do a proper half-day workshop where there's an exercise, there's deeper sharing, and there's a lot more benefits when it's, do when it's done this way, especially now that we can do it in person because it's hybrid events are now available. We prefer to do it in this manner because it's a lot more impactful. I personally have considered seeking therapist help, but I'm not exactly sure if I should to begin with. I don't even know whether I am facing sufficient issue or reach the threshold where I should be seeking professional assistance. For the people that you have worked with, you have dealt with or interacted with, uh, is there a specific trigger or a line that one would have to cross to really reiterate the fact that you definitely need to seek professional help? Everyone's triggers are actually very different. I would say the common denominator, what's the common baseline to know if you do need um, professional help is, has your life, the quality of your life, has it been negatively impacted because you are currently going through this issue? And another warning sign is if your friends and family have noticed and they talk to you about it. If you can say yes to any of these two, 
it's probably time for you to consider talking to a professional about it or finding some resources for you to get free access to, to talk to somebody about it. Because that is a clear warning sign that you have actually exhausted all the options and now it's time to get a third party to provide some options for you. Singapore has been doing a lot in trying to promote and to drive more awareness about mental wellness as well as ongoing conversation around this topic. Uh, what's your opinion on what has been done so far? Do you think more could be done to promote this topic and to aid people who truly require such support? When I started Safe Space in 2017, in all honesty, no one wanted to talk about mental health because it was so taboo. And now that we are fast forward into 2022, really glad to see the progress a country like Singapore has taken in Asia. Because during the lockdown and on a government level, they regularly and actively spoke about the importance of psychological resilience. Even on our end, we are definitely seeing a trend where it's a lot more inclusive to talk about mental health in Singapore right now. We do a quarterly impact measurement analysis at Safe Space, and as of the last quarter, which is Q4 2021, we saw that more than 67% of respondents who are using Safe Space used it to cope with anxiety. 55% of them for stress and about 51% of them when it came to work and performance-related issues. So stress has actually overtaken relationship and domestic issues and it rose to 55.8% compared to 50%. So there's a lot more openness now. I'm glad to see a lot more conversations and national campaigns in terms of MRT advertisements, bus advertisements, talking about mental health now. And I'm glad that we are actually seeing a lot more inclusivity in Singapore about this. At the preventive level, are there any advice or tips that you may have or maybe something that you are personally practicing to try to make sure your or try to contain the kind of mental health that you have? Because I'm very certain for many people, at least for myself, I tend to not see doctor as much as I can. I think it's a very Asian thing. You try not to see a doctor. So are there any preventive steps one can take to really ensure and sustain and optimal, optimize the mental health that one would have? Sure. So this is something that we actively talk about during our webinar trainings and even internally as a practice within our team at Safe Space. We all set multiple meetings for work. How often do we set a calendar invite or a meeting to look after our mental health by practicing your hobbies or going for self-care. So my question back to everyone who's listening is when was the last time you actually enjoyed if it's a matter of going to the gym, if it's a matter of walking in the park, going for a hike, when was the last time that you did that? So first would be let's schedule in some time in your calendar to actually book time in for self-care because that's very important because we have too many work meetings. We need some personal time as well. Second would be to utilize your annual leave. They are all there for a reason. And the common trend that we are seeing now is, is people are feeling bad to take their annual leave because they don't want to leave their team with the workload that's currently existing. It's a matter of time. And I'm sure your other peers would be taking their annual leave as well at some point. Utilize your annual leave day. Take that rest and unplug if possible. And really rest and recharge doing things that you enjoy. For me personally, I practice self-care every day. To me, my shower time is self-care time. So I use aromatherapy and I make sure all my soaps are, to some extent, have some, have some aromatherapy sense to it, like lavender, which is um, calming. And that's something that I can 
do a very simple thing that I can do every day to rest and recharge. I have something in common with you. I have lavender all over my house. And I actually got it last year when my son was preparing for PSLE. I wow. read somewhere lavender is supposed to be calming. It isn't very good academically, so whatever it takes. Lah. <laughs> to, <laughs> I'm to sure he him. appreciates it. I, I think the lavender probably not strong enough. He could have done better. So next time <laughs> we'll go for a stronger <laughs> percentage. Maybe uh, you can, we can burn some jinko nuts. Maybe that will help. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that for my second kid. So next on to what you would see in terms of the mental health as we move forward, as we are progressing into the post-pandemic world with COVID winding down, do you think mental well-being would take a backseat or do you think it may evolve moving forward? I think it will definitely evolve. I really do think that mental health concerns are here to stay and in all honesty, it's going to get worse. So we are already seeing some articles coming out on the Straits Times and even on global publications that COVID-19 has already had negative impact on consumers' mental health. And we're going to be seeing almost like a second pandemic as to what they are calling it. And it's going to be a global decline in mental health. On our side, we are already preparing for this as well by recruiting as many therapists that are of top quality on our platform to ensure that availability is always key for our consumer base. And we are doing a lot of education on our side, especially education that's free so that we can improve the mental literacy of Singapore and the countries that we are working in, so that one, they can spot the signs, they can identify their triggers, and they know when to seek help. Knowing when to seek help is one of the best preventative ways that you can look after yourself because you can prevent it from becoming worse, where it becomes proper full-blown depression. And unfortunately, sometimes even worse than that, you are already having suicidal thoughts. So that is really our key. For us, we want to just ensure that everyone has fast access to quality mental health care. And we're really happy to see that our consumer base has given us a 94.3% net promoter score, meaning that they would recommend us to their friends and family if they are struggling as well. Thank you so much. And with that, I would like you to share with the audience if they are keen to learn more about Safe Space or if they have some questions that they want to ask you personally, when can they go to? Sure. So everyone, if you're looking to learn more about mental health, I encourage you to please reach out to my team. They are more than happy to answer any of your Those of you who are, you know, consumers, the general public, you can email us at contact at safespace.sg or log in for a free account um, and you can type in the chat and someone will, will reply you in five minutes. For those of you who are employers and you're looking to roll out a mental benefit for your company and you're looking for something customized towards your budget, please reach out to me. And you can still email the same email address, contact at safespace.sg, and someone will, will route it to our sales team. This and all will be added into the show notes. Internet, thank you so much for making time today. I'll be the first to sign up for another account right after this conversation. And I wish you all the best in the rest of your journey with Safe Space. Thank you so much. And thank you for your time as well. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you are using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.